Zivie Owens, and you're listening to the award-winning podcast, Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Please sign up for my newsletter at zivieowens.com for updates on podcast guests and lots of live events. Today's episode is sponsored by Poets and Writers, which is the absolutely essential go-to resource for creative writers. Founded in 1970, Poets and Writers is celebrating its 50th anniversary this year. Visit pw.org to get inspired, connect with others, and explore a treasure trove of trustworthy information about writing contests, literary agents, and more. I'm here today with Patricia Marks and Roz Chest, who are the co-authors, illustrators of the book, You Can Only Yell at Me for One Thing at a Time, Rules for Couples, and also, Why Don't You Write My Eulogy Now So I Can Correct It? Roz Chast, the illustrator, is the author of the number one New York Times bestselling memoir, Can't We Talk About Something More Pleasant? A graduate of the Rhode Island School of Design, she's been drawing cartoons since she was a child in Brooklyn. She has contributed to The New Yorker regularly and also many other publications. Her book, Going Into Town, A Love Later to New York, was a gift to her child when leaving home. She currently lives in New York City. Patty has been a New Yorker contributor since 1989, a former writer for Saturday Night Live and Rugrats. She is the author of several books, including Let's Be Less Stupid, Him, Her, Him Again, The End of Him, and Starting from Happy. She was the first woman elected to the Harvard Lampoon. Originally from Philadelphia and a recipient of a Guggenheim Fellowship, she has taught at Princeton, NYU, and Stony Brook University. She currently lives in New York City. So welcome to Patty and Roz on the pub day for You Can Only Yell at Me for One Thing at a Time. Welcome to Roz and Patty. Thank you so much for coming on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Thank you for having us. Roz and Patty have brought their beautiful teal-colored ukuleles to this interview, which is a first. So we're going to have a little concert in the middle. So yes, good. <laughs> well, the turquoise helps the sound. Yeah, I bet. Yes, we, we find that mahogany doesn't have a good tone. <laughs> <laughs> so your book today is called You Can Only Yell at Me for One Thing at a Time, Rules for Couples. So it's kind of self-explanatory, but what is this book about and what made you write this book right now? We both live with people. Roz is married. I am not married, but this person I live with is awfully close. (laughs) And problems come up, and and we've solved them. (laughs) I think a lot of times with couples, the things that you fight about are not the things that are talked about in a lot of couples' advice books. And I'm not saying that these that if you don't fully pull the thread on these problems, the whole thing is not going to unravel. But, you know, some of the things that Patty wrote about and I illustrated are just, no matter what kind of couple you are, if you're living with another person, these mm-hmm. these things are going to come up. And most books about how to have a, a good marriage or a good relationship are so romantic. And living with someone isn't all that romantic when yes. you're loading the dishwasher. It's yeah. not, you're not starry-eyed. Right, right. They're, they're romantic, and sometimes they're very, very, like, serious. And it's not like these fights aren't serious. They are, but they're just much more, I mean, the things that my husband and I will have fights about, they're not really about like, well, they are, I guess you might say, well, recently my husband got quite angry at me because I put the raspberries on the lower shelf <laughs> as opposed to the top shelf where evidently raspberries belong, like in some sort of ideal universe. I would have <laughs> yeah. put, you know, and it was just like, I was just amazed that, like, he took that so personally. But, and, al- and also how a little fight 
if you call raspberries yeah. little, can suddenly become about selfishness and yes. order yes. and danger. Yeah, and within a few seconds, <laughs> you narcissism. know, it's like the selfishness of my putting the raspberries, the thoughtlessness involved in that gesture. You know, it, but it's pretty funny the in a certain way. Other thing that is amusing when you're not in the middle of it is how repetitive the arguments are. Oh my I mean, God. not only do you argue about the same thing, we have transportation or temperature arguments all the time. Yes. Lateness. It's the same script. It's the same script. It's almost like that joke about like when two guys are on the desert island and they're telling each other jokes, but mm. they've told all the jokes and so the guy just goes like, number 49, mm. <laughs> you know? And it's like, that's, I feel sometimes like when, mm. when my husband and I have a certain fight about, like, leaving the house. It's like, oh, we're on fight number 117. I know this one. We've had it, like, every week we have this one. How long have you been married? Uh, let's see, 19, we met in 1980, and we married in 84. So what? 36? Something 30 something, yeah, 36 years, coming up on 36 years. Yeah. I know, it's nuts. And how does, how does your husband and your partner, how do they feel about this book? Ah, well, we're getting a divorce. (laughs) (laughs) It's just, I think there's nothing in it that's surprising to him. You know, my thoughtlessness with the strawberries, my thoughtlessness with the illustrations, my, you know, well, this is about me, isn't it? Yeah, well, kind of, you know. (laughs) I feel like you tapped into so many things that so many people fight about, like the ones that maybe... I respond to might not be the ones that the next person does. Yeah. Some of my favorites, by the way, if you are the wordmeister in the relationship, don't correct the other person's every little mistake. Save it for when you cannot stand it anymore. And yes. then the illustration you have, irregardless, is one of the oh, examples. It's, that's, that's the kill. That's almost a deal breaker, that word. The problem we've just, Roz and I have discussed this, is correcting the person aggravates the problem sometimes. Yes. My boyfriend has has grammar quirks, and he knows they're wrong, and he insists on using them. And I don't know if I'm not around if he says it, but... Yeah. So it's kind of being with a toddler. Yeah. <laughs> Knowing what to do. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> you have another one. Spike the orange juice with CBD oil. As a as a remedy for perhaps some of these issues, well, crankiness. CB, CBD oil works for everything. Yeah, <laughs> or or you know, nothing. Yeah, <laughs> or, figured it out. Yeah, yeah, it's good for your hair. You know, it's good for your skin. It's a for good furniture furniture <laughs> polish. <laughs> you know, it works for everything. Patty, I just wanted to talk quickly about this essay you wrote about Twenty Three and Me, which I thought was so funny. Not to divert away from this book, but you called it Twenty Three and Him for the New Yorker. Oh yes, yes, yes. Which yes. I thought was so funny. You said, you know, you call it the spoiler alert test, and you make fun of the whole Twenty Three and Me, you know, which obsession. I've never done. Oh, you've never even done. That was my question. It was had you, no. you taken it yourself? No, I don't want to. I, I don't really care who my ancestors are. I know they're not good. <laughs> And I don't want to know, and I certainly don't want to know what the future beholds in the way of suffering physically. How I'm going to die, let them surprise me. I mean, it's bad (laughs) enough, my mother's 93, and seeing what I will become physically, it's it's really when I wish I were adopted. I kind of wish it were going to be a surprise. (laughs) So I've never, have you done 23andMe? I have. 
I have. And? I'm okay, generally. The best part about 23andMe that I found is you can track yourself against benchmarks of other people of your background. Oh, so you can win. You can win. (laughs) No, not like that. I mean, for instance, they say the average weight of somebody else your height who has the same exact background is. And it ended up being my weight, exactly. So for the first time, I was like, well, now I don't have to watch my weight anymore. I'm, oh, yeah. This is exactly the weight I'm meant to be. Because well, I, you do, but I'm you have to average, get all no, the I'm other good. people to gain <laughs> weight when you do. That's true. I have, well, you know, I can just keep force feeding them. But um, Have you done 23andMe? No, no. Do you I want did, to? No, not at all. I did a DNA thing. You did? But not, it's different from Ancestry, because my son's wife is very into, mm-hmm. what do they call that? Genealogy. Mm-hmm. And so I did that. And they said that I was like 10% like Greek and Italian, which like really surprised me. But then I talked to somebody, it was actually Andy, who said that this, it's, it's, no, it's, it's the results are based on the number of people who take the test, not like some sort of, you know, actual information, like general population. It's just the number of people who, I don't know. He explained it in a way that I understood at the time and obviously can't repeat because it's probably too early in the morning. But yeah, I know nothing about any Italian or Greek relatives. As far as I know, they're all from Eastern Europe or Russia. So here's a good story that you'll cut out because it's really irrelevant to our book. But a friend of mine just did 23andMe and she learned some interesting things. And she was telling her doctor, she was there for a checkup about this and her doctor was uncharacteristically silent for a while and finally said well sometimes it works out and sometimes it doesn't and then a little while later she said well I guess I can tell you she did one of those tests and found out that she'd always known that her mother had 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 gotten a sperm donor because she couldn't something was wrong I don't know and what she didn't know and it was it was early enough in the days when they didn't have sort of the system. So she went to her doctor and her doctor says, I can give you sperm. 43 other people she's related to. Wow. Wow. And she goes to reunions. (gasps) Oh my gosh. And here's the interesting thing. Most of them became doctors. Oh my God, that's wild. Yeah. Well, I was talking to somebody about those weird, you know, the things that people who say, no, there's, it's no nature, it's all nurture. My father and I have the same, there's a weird, well, he's gone now, but there's a kind of, we both recognize people's handwritings. We're very attuned to that. And I didn't know that he had this until I was in my 30s, but he was a teacher and he was kind of, it was just like this thing that he could sort of do, you know, and like, you know, he knew cartoonists' handwritings. I can imitate the handwritings. This is like, you know, what a, what a thing I'm boasting about. I can imitate the handwritings of, like, the kids that I grew up with in grade school. Uh, I remember when they changed their handwritings. I remember when, like, so-and-so, like, discovered a new sort of J that she, like, changed. And what, and I can imitate them. I can, like, you know, I would have been a good forger probably. I can, I for, say, I can forge is... Lord and Taylor, but it hasn't come to use. But to <laughs> no, bring it back to our book, yes, that's the right. problem <laughs> yeah. with living with someone is that you have not 
you have not raised them, nor have you been raised by the same people. So they're yes. like shaped in a different way than you want them to yes. be and believe they should be raised. And you have to yes. kind of change them and that's impossible. So you have to have these rules. Yes. We have. Yeah. Have you ever had success with trying to change anybody? No. No. No, no, no. But it doesn't stop you from trying, right? Always, I, like, I find I always try to... I just want to get my way. I don't care what they do. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I just don't want them to say irregardless. And, mm-hmm. you know, if you just followed these simple rules, mm-hmm. like, everything would be so great. But they think they're right also. So that's... And, and that's the thing is, there are some things I have no opinions about. Lots and lots and lots. Yeah. When I have an opinion, I know it's correct. <laughs> Yes, well, it's like the loading the dishwasher thing, which other people, I mean, Sandy Fraser wrote a humor piece about that. I think the loading the dishwasher issue with couples is, you know, people have ideas on how to do it. And this is like an ongoing sort of silent fight with me and my husband. Like, I put the spoons a certain way, and then I look inside the dishwasher and they have been switched to a different way. And so then I just sort of silently switch them back to the correct way. And this will go on until if you're like the last person who is doing the dishes, then you get your way, you know, because both of us. But he is he is so picky about how the laundry should be done. It is wild. And I guess I should be glad because he's doing the laundry. I do the folding. But he has this whole system. He adds like vinegar at a certain point. Mm-hmm. I don't know, like some crazy thing, probably CBD oil for all I know. Mm-hmm. You know, just he has a system. And one of my kids said that when he left home, he could not believe how easy it was to do laundry because he had always thought it was this kind of complicated <laughs> sort of scientific you know, process. <laughs> but it was just, you know, my husband is very fussy. Well, in a general way, people have different standards Yes. Oh, God, yes. And I don't want things on the floor that don't belong on the floor. And if I clean up, like, the puddle of Diet Coke on the floor or his sock, I get accused of being neurotic. I'm not getting into your neuroses about order. Well, we live in a sty. Yeah. (laughs) I'm not neurotic. Yeah. So let's talk a little about how the book is illustrated and your experience with The New Yorker and illustrating for so many years. My husband and I were in the airport recently, and I misread a sign over an escalator. I thought it said, exit for passengers without children, when it was really exit for passengers without baggage. Oh, Oh, my husband husband was like, how great would that be? So I was like, this is like a New Yorker cartoon. We could have all the happy people going down here and all the crazy people Uh, going out the different escalator. But you actually... Do these New Yorker cartoons. Yeah, so how, tell me about how you got into that and what it's like being able to capture a moment and find the humor in it and just succinctly like put it in an illustration like that and then have it be, you know, all over the world. I will. I've been drawing cartoons for the New Yorker since 19... It's just, drawing cartoons is something I, well, I always drew from the time I was little. I drew... Before I read, like most little kids, I just did not stop, I guess, at a certain point. And when I was around, I always liked to draw. I liked to draw people. I liked to make myself laugh. Mm -hmm. I think that was the main thing. And I I can, you know, I still have some drawings I did as a kid that were kind of like 
early versions of cartoons, you know, things that I thought were funny. I would make up fake cookbooks and <laughs> things. And this is when I was like, you know, 10, 11 years old. And then when I was around 12 or 13, I thought, like, I think maybe I'm going to be a cartoonist, you know. I always knew I was going to draw. I didn't think I was going to be able to make a living necessarily, but I, I thought this is really the only thing I can do. I wasn't good at anything else. <laughs> and so, yeah, that's that's what I wound up doing. And you have been writing for The New Yorker forever as well. And people are dying to contribute, to write to The New Yorker. What is it like? You guys have the inside sort of track on it. Is it different than writing for anywhere else? It is different than writing. They give you more space. They are not so interested in selling a product. And the editor, you know, the production is really, really good. It's not as if I grew up thinking I was going to be a writer or anything. I, I, unlike you, I loved being a kid. I thought, this is a good deal. I'm going to keep doing this. And people would, I, I guess I thought at some point I will wake up and I will be grown up and I will have children and a station wagon. But I didn't know how that was going to happen. I, it was just, that was what happened. I grew up in the suburbs. I didn't know people. Who, I had no, no role models for a writer. I thought you were, you were in business or you were, maybe if you were really good, you were a doctor and then there were lawyers. I didn't know there were other choices. And so I got into writing by delaying adulthood as as long as I could. I went to graduate school and I was on my college humor magazine and that first woman on the Harvard Lampoon. And that fit into with my kind of mentality. I remember as a kid being asked that question that every kid is, is asked like, is everything funny? And I thought, well, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean everything was was there to be made fun of. I certainly wasn't going to go the the earnest route. No. That was embarrassing being serious. Yes. And and my family, my father was pretty funny. My mother's pretty funny, but we were not serious. We weren't like a mushy family. Yeah, no, we weren't. My parents were I think they were just too anxious to be earnest in a certain way. Yeah. You know, there was no there wasn't a lot of like we must take time to appreciate the sunset because look at this natural beauty. No, I mean, they barely, like, you know, they didn't really want to go out of the apartment very much because, you know, really, why ask for trouble? (laughs) Yeah. uh, You know, an attitude that, unfortunately, or maybe fortunately, I agree with. (laughs) We're indoor people. Definitely indoor people. But, yeah, I mean, Pat, this is one of our big differences. You know, I, I could not wait to be an adult. I did not like being a kid. I just did not see the point of it. And uh, being an adult is, is, if I am an adult, if that is really what, you know, mm-hmm. if I qualify as one, it's, it's much better than being a kid. I still don't like a lot of parts of it. I hate the paperwork. Oh, well, I can't you have do the to, paperwork. You have to farm that out. I don't farm it out. And I oh. do a really bad job. Oh. Really, really bad yeah. job. I hate the paperwork. Not really, not oh, the like the logistics either. Yeah. You know, when you're a kid, it's like, you don't have to worry if there are two birthday parties on the same day. It will be taken care of for you. See, you went to birthday parties. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I was, yeah. I, I know I felt so bad that it was normal. Yeah, yeah. I was trying to get out of that Skinner box, but, you know, <laughs> they, had, they had so many locks. It was, yeah. you know. 
So not only have the two of you collaborated on this book and your other book, Why Don't You Write My Eulogy Now So I Can Correct It, which was also hilarious, and children's books and for years, but you have Euclear Meltdown, a ukulele duo band. Yes. How did that come about? And let me hear a little sample. This is very exciting. We, we'll okay. t- talk to you a little about it. Tell yeah. me, yes. It came about because a few years ago, I was invited to a wedding. Like two and a half years. About like, that, yeah. yeah. It seems yeah. like either last week or 10 years yes, ago. Yes, yes. And it was coincident in time and place with the eclipse. And the guests were asked to bring a musical instrument because whoever, we were going to have a band and they would, serenade, after the eclipse was ended, we would play Here Comes His Son and serenade the wedding party to the, where were they getting married. I really don't play an instrument. I'm really not musical, as you're going to hear in one second. And I can barely clap when you're supposed to clap. <laughs> but I thought, well, that would be fun. And really, how hard can the ukulele be? So I ordered one on Amazon. And as you said, it's turquoise. And I showed it to Roz, and she got one immediately. And we fell in love with playing the ukulele, and then just going back and forth with emails, joked around about our illustrious past. Yes, that t- took place, you might say, like in a parallel universe. Yeah. Where we were a band in the 60s that was very popular. It was called Eucular Meltdown, mm-hmm. and we played at Woodstock. We were on But we the- played at Woodstock, but we were facing the wrong direction. <laughs> yes. So we yes. were unrecognized. We yes. were unrecognized. And my mother telephoned me, so I had to get off the stage <laughs> in the middle because, you know, I don't want to keep my mother waiting. <laughs> so there were, like, there were some problems. And oh, we were on the road, but we kept getting lost because neither of us has a good sense of direction. Yeah, but we liked, we liked we the lo- um, food on the road. Yes, we did. We did. <laughs> and, and except that, you know, we being on the road is hard. And we, we just, there was... You know, so many drugs, so much, you know, there's sweet and low. Patty had a sweet and low We went problem. to rehab yeah. for my, I have a splendid habit, and Roz <laughs> couldn't stop eating Havarti cheese. Yes, and and Advil. Those yeah. were my two, yeah. you know, it was really bad. But we, in, in those we days, liked we... rehab. Yeah, we made ashtrays. Potholders. Yeah, oh God, the potholders, that was fun. That loom, that was great, mm-hmm. yeah. But we, we hung out with... Bob Dylan, we were the ones who told him to go nasal. Yeah, and you told Joni to grow her hair long. Yeah, so that's yeah. You we know, were on Ed Sullivan. that's our delusion. Yes, yes. So, so we were just writing these like insane letters, and then it was like, well, this is really. It. And then it started to become almost like you start to be able to very easily fill in the gaps once you have this kind of fictitious. Yeah you know, structure, it's like, then, you know, we realized that well, we had been friends as, as children when we grew up in, in, the Ukraine. in the Ukraine. And did you know that that is how the Ukraine got its name from? It's the, this is the national, the ukulele is the national instrument mm-hmm. of the Ukraine. And that's, that's yeah. why. Hawaii tries to make you think otherwise. And so does Portugal. They, Portugal the, the, does. All, well, because Portugal is actually, I think, where the ukulele originated, not Hawaii. Oh, but but before that, it was the Ukraine. Yeah, yeah. we invented it. We, yeah, yeah. But and you guys could just do this all day. We can yeah, do we, it all yeah, day. Yeah, we, we, we broke up in 1991. Our, well, I should say that our specialty is rewriting public domain songs yes. and making them worse. So as you know, <laughs> yeah. okay, we didn't really write the song Hang On Sloopy, but we were sued in 1991 because we sang it. And 
truly you must believe us with, that it was a typo, that we meant it was hang on sloppy. Yes. yes. Anyway, totally we can go on and on and on. We sell yeah. merchandise. We have ucular meltdown halibut. Yes. Ucular <laughs> meltdown cat earplugs. Yes, single serving cottage cheese. Yeah. So, so you, know. you probably should shut us up because we yeah, really, yeah, we really could. We totally yeah, I, okay. Okay. Can okay. I, I'm videoing um, this at the same time. Can we right. play park? Yes, let's play park. I know this. Let's, okay. let's just get on Okay. Out. So we'll, we'll, we'll do this for a few hours. Don't <laughs> no. <laughs> it's really a cigar box with four rubber bands, basically. It's and, a toy. And you can keep your keys in it. <laughs> yes, or <laughs> tissues. It's like a little purse. It's a. It's an instrument. It's a purse. It's okay. On your mark, get set, go. Park, park, park your car, kinda near the curb. Ay 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 ay. You just bumped into herb. Let's want to do the drink. Yeah, let's do drink. Let's see. On your mark, get set, go. Oh, give us a drink, not a drink from the sink. But a drink from a Western saloon, or maybe some wine of any old kind to delude us. We're crooning on tune. <laughs> That's perfect. I love it. Okay. All right. All right. I love it. So are you going taking this on the road? Oh, we Concerts are. We are. are. Yeah. Yes, yes. We because can't wait. This is our pub date. Yes. We're going on the road starting tomorrow. Very yes. Exciting. It's very, it is very exciting. It's, so exciting. it's very fun. I hope we don't get lost. Uh, I know. Well, <laughs> well, when I have my sacred itinerary, that is what, you know, this is, I've talked to you about it. It's our publicist is here from the publisher, and I have to have it written down. Once I have everything written down, it's just like I just go into itinerary mode. So and I go into child mode because Annabelle's taking care of every single detail. Yes, yes. Well, and so as, aside from your book tour to promote this amazing book, what is coming next for you? Are you going to write another one? Have you already written another one? We'll write another one. Yes. Any oh. idea on the topic? No, do you? <laughs> um, nothing about kids? I, nothing about kids? Well, my kids are old now. Yeah. They're MTS? like in their 70s. Yeah. yeah. It's weird. They're older than me. My kids aren't born yet. I'm waiting to my like 80s or 90s. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Until you're mature. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I have, I've, I've written about kids yeah. before when they were, when they didn't yeah. know. Yeah. <laughs> I think there are a lot of people out there, though, with adult kids who yeah. find the humor in that, or maybe grand, you know. Well, one of my fa- I don't know. In-laws, or I don't know. They're, they're, my favorite cartoon about adult, having adult children, well, actually, there's, there's two. There's one by uh, William Hamilton, Bill Hamilton, um, New Yorker cartoonist, where it's two adult children and their parents, and they're at some restaurant and they're having cocktails together. And the mother says, oh, finally, we're all the same age. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> and, nice. and the other one I love is by Jack Ziegler. And it's one of those baby books. And you see the hands of the person and the title of the, on the page at the top, it's Baby's First Gray Hair. <laughs> <laughs> you know, when I first got a gray hair, I think my mother was more upset than I was. And <laughs> she said, you have a gray hair. And... I genuinely believed and told her, 
it's not gray, it's blonde. I mean, I'm pitch black hair. And I thought I was turning blonde. She said, you're not. Wow. I thought I was the first person in history that was going to turn blonde. Wow. Like maybe that, but if you did, that would probably be a symptom. That's true. Yeah. And symptoms aren't good. I was admiring your hair color earlier, thinking... Oh, well, it's it's not exactly real. As a friend of mine once said, I love your hair color. Could I get a swatch (laughs) for my colorist? That's great. That's great. (laughs) Any advice to aspiring authors or illustrators? Oh, do something else, right? Yeah, if you can, if you, (laughs) unless you, this is something that you're driven to do, you probably shouldn't do it. It's, yeah, yeah. Great, that was inspiring. Thank you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's we we aim to inspire. Yeah, we hope we've yes. depressed enough people. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you for the live performance oh. and uh, congratulations thank on you. the publication. It's really thank exciting. Thank you so much. Thank you. Good. This is fun. You've been listening to Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books with Zibby Owens. Please make sure to sign up for my newsletter at zibbyowens.com to get more updates about episodes like these and also lots of live events. Thanks so much. Today's episode has been sponsored by Poets and Writers. Visit pw.org to get inspired, connect with other writers, and explore a treasure trove of information about writing contests, literary agents, and more. You can follow me on Instagram at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music. Thanks for listening. You can always email me at zibby at zibbyowens.com. 